Welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. So as you all know, we're in a series called Heart and Soul. Right? And what this is, is what it truly means to be heart and soul with God's church and here at Connection. And see, here at Connection, we never really like the term member. You know, I feel like when you say member, it sounds almost exclusive, you know? Like, this is our thing, and I don't really want you to come in here and mess it up. And if you mess up my thing, and you don't belong in this church, all right? But no, it should be about giving your life to something, right? That's why I love the idea of the scripture that we use of, of, of in, in the armor bearer that Buck spoke, Buck spoke about in week one. He was talking about, I am with you heart and soul. When you're with heart and soul with something, you will give your life to it because it is a worthy call. And just to recap last week, Buck preached through Acts chapter 2. And if you know my man Buck, that's his anthem right there. If you want to know the heartbeat of our church, you go to early church in Acts and you read through that and you begin to see what we build our church off of. And we understand that we believe that this church is not a building. It's not about the building. It's not about the service but it's a people to belong to, right? It's a people to belong to. And I love the way we do church because it's completely different than what I grew up learning how to do church, right? We have to come to this building every week and all of a sudden we come here and we talk about the things of God. But no, when this place is over with, hey, guess what? We're breaking everything down and putting it back in box and taking it back to the space over there, right? So it's not about the church. It's about the people. I tell people all the time that church is a community of believers and they're moving, it's a movement of people, and if you are not moving, then you're probably not part of the movement, right? A movement of people centered around the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So last week, I'm going to kind of pick up what Buck left off. He said, he talked about that church has a purpose. Well, today we're going to talk about what is that purpose that that church was created for. And he said that our purpose is to know Christ and to make him known. So just as we are saved out of the darkness into the light, we're to go and rescue those others, right? There are so many people that are lost in this slavery or sin, and this gospel message that we have liberates them from their sin. So why wouldn't we tell people of this message that lives inside of us? So in today's sermon, we're going to be talking about the mission, God's mission, the purpose of the church, why you were created. I tell people there's a church because there's a mission, right? We're the vehicle, vehicle to see that mission to the world. And when I ask people all the time, hey, what are common mission verses in the Bible and what I normally hear, and this is with me as well, if people go straight to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, all right? If you'd asked me that years ago, that's exactly what I've said. But as I begin to study the Word and begin to grow in my knowledge and understanding of the Word, I begin to see a thread that runs from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And we're going to talk about that today. But what I'm going to take you back to is the book of Genesis, the very first book, and show you exactly when the Great Commission was actually given. So let's go to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and it reads like this. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go to your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. It says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And listen to this right here. Now, this is powerful. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just come to you right now, God, just in honor of who you are, God. God, that you are holy, God, that you are righteous, God, that you are a God that saves, and God, that you are a God that even sins, that you sent your Son, Jesus, to die for us. 
Father God, we thank you for that right now, Father God. But I pray that as we begin to preach through this message, God, we begin to look at what is your mission, God? What's your plan for us as believers? What's your will for our lives, God, that, that the people will be able to hear what is being preached today, God, and I will be able to preach in such a way that they will be able to understand what is being said and begin to apply it to their walk, God. They'll begin to walk this thing out, not just talk about it, Father God. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit is with me right now, God, and, and is powerful and present in this place. We'll begin to stir the hearts of the people that are here, God, that there's somebody here that doesn't know you today, God that today will be the day of salvation, that they will gladly give their life to you and be sold out for your mission, God, and find a new purpose for their life that's only found in a relationship with you. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak through me right now, that everything that will come from me will not be in and of myself, God. And there was something in here that I should not say, God, let me skip over it, God. And there's something in here that I ain't, that I'm supposed to preach on. Would you download that into my spirit? So God, I ask all these things in your precious holy name, I pray. Amen. So the main focus of today's sermon, we're going to be talking about what it looks like to be a part of God's mission. So my first point, what is God's mission? And I feel like in order to understand God's mission, we must understand the story that God is writing. Throughout Scripture, we say that God is telling a story that he wants to see the nations worshiping at his feet, right? He wants to see the nations bringing him glory, and it even starts in the book of Genesis, and it picks up. This passage that we just talked through, the passage that we just read, picks up right after the great flood. Everybody know the flood with, Abraham, with, with Noah? They pick up after this story, actually after the Tower of Babel. And the crazy thing about that story is it's still pointing to how God wanted to share his glory with the nations. But that's for another sermon for another day. So Genesis 12 picks up with God calling Abraham. It says in verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. He says, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So many people think of that Matthew 28 as the Great Commission, but right here we see it plainly. This is the first time the Great Commission was actually given. And I love the fact that how God was specific when he called Abraham. He said, all peoples, not just peoples on earth will be blessed, but he says all peoples. And I wonder why he specifically said all there, because probably he knew the tendency of Abraham and the tendency of people today to only share the gospel with people that they feel comfortable with, all right? I'm only going to go to somebody that looks like me, that acts like me, that comes from the same household I come from. But you no, know, God said we are to go to all people. It's only in that time when you're uncomfortable when God begins to work. I'm telling you, he won't share, he, 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 he wants you, he don't want you comfortable, because when you're comfortable, you won't move. If, if church is a movement of people sitting around the gospel, then we are going to be moving. We should be moving strategically to teach the gospel, share our message, share our testimony with people that don't look like us, that don't act like us. That's what it looks like to live on mission, right? So am I reading a book that, state, that, that plainly states it like this? It's called God's Bottom Line. And it says that every top-line blessing has a bottom-line responsibility. When you read Scripture and you see God blessing someone, that blessing is not meant to hold to ourselves but to take to the world. It says in verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. But if you skip to the bottom of the passage, it says that all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's telling you something. You're being blessed to be a blessing to the others. When God saves you, he saves you for something bigger than just yourself. He saves you for something much more than just yourself. When I tell people that gospel message comes to you, it comes to you, through you, on the way to somebody else. We are in debt to those that don't know who Jesus is. Look at verse 3, all peoples, all peoples, they need to know the gospel. They need to hear the message of the good news. So Genesis 12, it sounds like the Great Commission, right? You know, the Great Commission that Jesus gave in Matthew 28. So it sounds like to me that when Jesus gave the Great Commission, it wasn't the first time he's given. It was a great recommission, right? It's almost saying that if you ain't got it this time, I'm going to make sure you know it today. I had to ask a question this morning. I said, I had, I've, I've always heard it being preached when I grew up. 
He says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. How many of you heard that before? It said, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Well, the reason he said that is because that same, that same blessing that he gave to Abraham, he also gave it to Isaac, and he gave it to Jacob as well. He wanted to see the glory go into the nation. So you begin to see a passage of a thread of enjoying God's grace and extending his glory to the nations. He wants people to know him. He wants people to be at the throne. So where are we going, right? So if you want to know if God has a mission, what is this mission going to accomplish? Where are we going with that mission? Let's go to Revelation 7-9, and it says it all right here. Revelation 7-9 reads like this. It says, And this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne before the Lamb. I got to read that again. From every nation, every tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne before the Lamb. You want to know what God's will is? What's his mission? It's to see the earth filled with his glory. To see worshipers all over the world from every nation, tribe, language, and tongue. That's what he wants. And that's what we ought to be allowing our lives to. Connection Church, we got to understand that church do, do not exist for us. It does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. The church doesn't exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. And throughout the story of the Bible, we see God moving towards that, right? To see every tribe, tongue, and language at the throne. So that leads me to my second point. What part do we play, Connection Church? What part do we play in this? So you see where it started, and now you begin to see what is our global role in God's global plan. So let's take a look at the passage called the Great Commission, or like I could say, the Great Recommission. And sometimes I feel like people look at the books of the Bible. Can you imagine a bookshelf? They're thinking of books of the Bible sitting on all these, sitting every one of them from Genesis to Revelation on top of a bookshelf, right? And they think of the idea of missions as if it's like this brochure that sits at the very corner, and that's only for a select few people that hopefully they'll find that little book in the corner, right? But that's not it. Missions is the shelf that holds every book of the Bible up. If you want to know what God's trying to do, he is a missional God. who even sent Jesus Christ on a mission to restore us back to him. So let's read Matthew 28, which is called the Great Commission. Verse 16, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So I'm reading this passage just to give you a little context. This is the last thing Jesus told the disciples before ascending into heaven. He tells us to go and make disciples of the nations. And this is called what we always hear, the Great Commission. But I want you to notice something here. This isn't just for telling our neighbors. This is for telling the nations. And most of the time when you hear people preach about living missionally, they'll say, go and make disciples. You know, they'll say, live sent, live life on mission. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm telling you, I'm not saying it's incorrect, but it's incomplete. We must go make disciples of the nations. Verse 19 says, what should we do? You hear the three things that we should do. Listen to this passage. Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. As believers, we are commanded to do three things. Number one, we are commanded to go. That means we are to meet people where they are and share the gospel with them. That means that as we are going throughout life, looking for people to strategically build relationships with the purpose of sharing the gospel, I tell people it looks like this, doing everyday things with gospel intentionality behind it. 
We should be doing everyday things with gospel intentionality behind it. I heard Matt Chandler say it like this. He said he has the same routine every single day. He goes to the gym. He goes to the coffee shop. And he does a bunch of other different things during the day. But he says if he begins to go to the gym, he starts seeing the same person there over and over. That's probably a good chance he's going to start sliding in there trying to share that gospel with him, right? Doing every day. That doesn't mean to change everything you're doing. Just do everything you do. Just, add, just, just live your life, start out for the kingdom of God with it. I tell people, just be you. Don't be weird like most Christians make it weird sometimes. Be you. Just be you in Christ. All right? Love on people. Love people. Love God. Love people. That's all you got to do. Don't make it weird. Then the second thing, it says, what should we do? We should baptize. This means that we are to celebrate the public declaration of salvation. We always say it simply here. What is baptism? It's an outward profession of an inward transformation. Not to go off on a rabbit trail, but I hear all the time people say, Hey, they just got saved, and I start talking about baptism. They say they want, to pray, they want to pray on getting baptized, right? And I heard my buddy Billy Shower from Valdeo say it like this before. He said, baptism is the one thing you don't have to pray about. It is the next step of obedience once you give your life to Christ. This is the next step of obedience after salvation. And then the last thing this passage tells us to do, it says to teach. We have to teach new believers how to obey Jesus. We have to teach them. And here at Connection, we're not about just making converts. We want to see disciples made. I heard a podcast one time, and this was right after the stuff in Afghanistan started happening, and there's a guy named Pastor X, and for security purposes, I can't say Pastor X's name. Well, Pastor X was one of the first people that, that uh, pastored the first revival in, a, in an Iran church, the underground church in Iran. And he said that he remembered the church was booming. People were coming to the faith in Christ, and there was just all this stuff happening, and all of a sudden persecution came. And he said when that persecution came, his church began to run and flee. Pastors were being locked up and put in prison. And he said his believers that he thought were believers were running in fear. And he said that he prayed to God, was like, God, I see throughout the book of Acts that when persecution came to your church, it grew your church. Why are my people running in fear? It almost sounds like COVID-19 does when people ran from the church. Why are we running in fear? But here's the deal. He said, Pastor Rex said that God spoke to him and said, he said, you are making converts. I need disciples. He said, converts will run in fear. He said, but disciples will die for me. That's what that means to be sold out for the kingdom of God, to be disciples. We will die for Jesus. We will die to ourselves daily and gladly grasp the robe of Jesus Christ and follow him everywhere he would go and do whatever he would tell me to do. Not live my life for myself anymore, but say, God, here's your, I know what your will is. I'm tired of living life my way. I want to follow you and do the things that you have me do. And we see it right here. Every top-line blessing has a bottom-line responsibility. What is the responsibility we have as believers to go, to baptize, and to teach? Can we begin to do that, church? When you say yes to Jesus, this is what you are commanded to do. It's the great commission, not a suggestion, as I say so much. Connection Church, we have to be obedient to what God has told us to do. And the more we grow and embrace the, the mission of God, the more impact we will make. Because here's the deal. If you want to know about our church, we are a sending church. And as a missions pastor, I'm providing pathways of ways that we can engage the nations. Because what I want to see, what I ultimately go is I want to see someone raised up from our congregation to go to an unreached people group. Not to a place that has been reached, but a place that has zero access to the gospel. How do you disciple of nation, right? Let's go back to Matthew 28. It said, go and make disciples of the nations. How do you disciple of nation? You can't just pull a nation into your living room, right? No, you have to go and plant a church. We, we are a sending church. We want to send out church planners to the unreached people group, right? The church is God's plan A to reach the world, church. There is no plan B. We are his plan A. In a second before I move on, 
I want to address something real quick. Being a guy that's always fired up about missions, sometimes I might scare some people off. It's like, oh, AJ's coming. He's going to talk about some mission stuff. But I run into this question or phrase a lot, even in my own family. When I hear somebody speak on why they aren't living missionally for the kingdom of God, and they always say, I'm not called to be a missionary. Mm, let's hit on something right here. Because here's the deal. The Bible speaks of being called. It has rarely anything to do with full-time ministry. When the Bible speaks of being called, it's talking about being called to a relationship with God. That's what it's talking about, to be called to a relationship with him. And that's one of Satan's biggest lies that he uses to keep the American church pacified, all right? And then a lot of people will go to this passage right here and say, well, it says call in the service right here in Acts 13, 2. And what does Acts 13, 2 say? It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And they'll say, there it is right there. There it is. He, he called them right there. It says, so after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So most people will look at that passage and say, clearly it says that we have been called to mission work, Right. But we see that word call, we got to look at the context of what it was placed in. And most Christians who are usually waiting on a call to the Lord to go to missions usually sit in their hometowns. But biblically, a call doesn't come when you're sitting in your hometown, right? What we know about Paul and Barnabas right here is that they were already on the mission field being obedient to what God told them to do, right? He told them to go and make disciples. That's what they were doing. And as they were being obedient to what God had already told them, the Holy Spirit gave them a better sense of the direction of where they should be going, right? How many of you old-time people in here? I know we got a bunch of older heads in here now. You ever drove a car with no power steering before? It's tough. If you don't catch that stop sign on the road, you're going to be struggling to pull that bad boy to the right, ain't you? But here's the deal. From a dead stop, it's almost impossible. I can already imagine my wife sitting behind the steering wheel of a car with no power steering fluid. It'd be impossible for Kyla to pull that steering wheel, right? It's impossible almost. But once it's moving, that circle's easy to turn. So the same is with Christians. You know, God wants to see us obedient doing something, right? He wants to see us being obedient so he can speak to us in greater ways for his purposes for our life. Like Buck said it last week, God does not steer parked cars. He does not steer parked cars. He wants to see you moving and being obedient to what you've already said, what he's already said. So in saying this, how will you be obedient to what God has commanded us to do? Connection Church, it is clear. Romans 10, 14 says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? The gospel is good news. We know that. But it's only good news if it gets to somebody else in time. The gospel in itself, all you got to do is open the Bible and read it with someone and read that and begin to talk to the gospel. And it does the work for us. The book of Romans said it's the power of God unto salvation. It's not about being a pastor. It's not about being a Bible scholar. It's about being obedient to what our Savior has commanded us. In the wise words of country pastor Buck, he said, hey, if ain't nobody reading it, ain't nobody preaching it, ain't nobody getting saved. And I was like, man, that is fire right there, cuz. Because what it means to follow Jesus is to look at your life. Just as he sacrificed his life for us, we are to be a living sacrifice daily for other people. Just think on this question for a minute. Where would you be had Jesus chosen not to come and die for your sins? Where would you be? You'd be lost. No hope, nothing for you for all of eternity. And I'm going to say it another way. Where would you be if Jesus had chosen not to come and die for you? You would be in exactly the same place where millions of people are in the world without you. Martin Luther said this amazing quote right here. He said, it would not matter if Jesus died a thousand times if nobody ever heard about it. Let that sink in. 
That, that convicts me right there reading that. It would not matter if Jesus died a thousand times if nobody heard about it. Have you faced the fact, have we faced the fact that there are 2.8 billion people in the world who have not heard about Jesus or have little to no access to the gospel? And that leads me to my last point right here. What is God doing among the nations and how are we already making an impact? Acts chapter 1, verses 7 through 8 says, And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Church, I want you to understand something. If the church is God's vehicle to reach the nations, the Holy Spirit is the gas that fuels it. And let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. It's going to always run towards the mission. When you're living your life empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's going to run towards God's mission because that's what he wants to see. The church is God's plan A. That is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. So I went to a place. If anybody close to me, they know I talk about this all the time because it's in my DNA. I went to a place called Engage Global, and what it is is a missions conference and a trip all in one in Minnesota. I met a guy named Rick Davis who lived his life on mission in Laos for 25 years, and that man is awesome, by the way, a man that's truly sold out for the kingdom of God. He said, I thought, I thought going on that trip the first time I went, I thought I had it all planned out, you know? I was going to make a lot of money. I was going to get in the, federal, the federal government to, to, to raise my law enforcement platform through the roof and build a comfortable life for me and my kids, and life was going to be great, all right? Going to build a nice house. I'm going to do all these things. Wrong. I learned so much on this trip, and I learned about a place called the 1040 window. And what the 1040 window is, is it between 10 degrees longitude and 40 degrees longitude on the map, and it covers a lot of the, the, the Middle Eastern world pretty much. And majority of the people that don't know Jesus live in this window, right? And what I begin to understand is that in that window, there are 8,000 plus people who are considered unreached. That means 2% or less classified as Christian. And out of that 8,000, there are 3,000 plus people groups. And people groups is more than just one person. Some of these people groups have billions of people in them, right? There are 3,000 plus that are unengaged, meaning there's not a Christian, there's not a missionary, there's not a Bible track, a Bible movie song. They have zero access to the gospel. These people are pretty much living off the grid, and nobody's even trying to reach them. And on this trip, I began the opportunity, I got the opportunity to engage the Hindu world, the tribal world, the Buddhist world, the Muslim world. And I began to see the kids Kids just like our kids. I begin to see the people just like me that are blinded by their sin, that are blinded by what the devil has done to them. And I begin to have a, I, it created a burden in my heart. And on that trip, I'll tell you what, I saw a vision of God's world and I never got over it. Because once you see something like that, once you see there are people all over the world just like us that have no access to the gospel, how can that not do nothing to you when God commanded us to do that? Paul said that he was a debtor with the gospel. That means that he owed something to the world. And there are billions in debt, there are billions that we are in debt to with the gospel, and we have to go. A question people ask me all the time is, why am I so passionate about overseas missions when there are so many that are just as lost right across the street? And the answer to that word is in that word access. People across the street have access to the gospel. But the people in the 1040 window have no access to the gospel. And I feel like a lot of times in the Christian church, we forget that there's a difference between evangelism and missions. 
When Paul would go plant a church, he was going to take, act, give people access to the gospel. That wasn't saying that everybody in that city would get reached and everybody said yes to Jesus. He was just giving them access to the gospel. Then he would go somewhere else. In Romans 15, he said he didn't want to go where a foundation was already built. He wanted to go where the gospel already wasn't. So he can build a church and give people access to the gospel. And once that church begins to be planted and that church is raised up, the people in that congregation, that church is then sent out to evangelize that community. So missions is about bringing people access to the gospel. So people will say to me, well, AJ, how do you know they have access to the gospel? I say, because they're your neighbor. They have access to the gospel through you. Isaiah 52, 7 says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I want to show you something. It is biblical for us to prioritize taking the gospel to those without access. Let that sink in. Do you realize that the same tragedy of us, if we didn't have Jesus of dying and going to hell, is also available, to, is also on them? And are we okay with that? So Connection Church, to finish up here, I want to answer this question. How are we already making an impact? How are we already making an impact? Where you're sitting at now, the tithe paying members of this church, where you're sitting at when you give on a Sunday, how are we already making an impact from our seats? Because you know, I say it again, I, I say it all the time, I say it again, we are a sending church. Meaning we don't, we don't just uh, care about this community, but we also care about the nations. You know, I like to think of coming to church, I don't think of a building but a launch pad. You know, people in the military, that's in the, if you've ever been to the Air Force or know anything about the aircraft carriers, they're sitting out in the sea. As they're sitting out in the sea, these planes are landing and they're getting refueled. They're taking back off to go do battle for the kingdom. That's what this is. This should be a launch pad. We should be launching disciples out to this community and to the ends of the earth. Another picture I like to see is the, the airport in Atlanta. I saw a picture one time of, of showing all the planes that take off and they had lines following all the planes. We leave this place. That's what we should look like. We should come here, get fueled, get equipped and empowered and encouraged from the word of God and take what we've learned and begin to teach it to a lost world. I got to talk about something real quick. Many of you know about a month and a half ago, I went to visit some of our missionaries in northern Africa. And I want to tell you something about, about our missionaries that we support. They're actually from our own connection network. They were sitting in seats just like you guys are. One was a track coach, lived a comfortable life, you know, and he felt the call to go. He was sitting in a connection church, serving, serving blue, serving orange, doing all the things that we do, and he felt God call him to go, and he went. And through your support, I was allowed to go and, and minister to them, and what we called it was like a refuel mission trip where we were going to encourage our missionaries and lift them up and just, and, just, and just celebrate them. So last month, I was able to go visit our missionaries in North Africa, which is in a heavily Muslim territory. I tell people there are normally three stages of mission. You got level one, level two, level three. A lot of times you just don't send them on a level three because what happens is these people are persecuted for the, for the gospel. If where I went to, if they knew I was a Christian, I wasn't getting in the door. Or possibly if they found out I got in and I, they would have found me, I would have been put in prison for it. So I remember when we got off the airplane because they knew that we were Americans and as Americans, you don't come and visit their country. So they're going to interrogate you when they come. And I remember sitting there and I had to pray to God to even be able to get in because the first time, me being an ex-police officer, I got a guy yelling at me in a language I don't understand. And he feel like because if he yelled the same thing over and over at me louder and louder, I'm going to get it. But I didn't get it. But I just remember praying for God to at least somehow give us favor with this guy so we can get in because he's holding my visa and he's yelling at me. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And he finally lets us in. And what I began to see as we started going on this trip and begin to hang out with our missionaries is that God is doing a mighty work in them over there. 
And one of the things I had a chance to talk to was two North African believers. Now, I can't mention their name for security purposes, but had a pleasure to spend a lot of quality time, a lot of time to pray with them and encourage them. And I want, to keep it, keep you, I want you to keep you guys in mind of something. When I heard these guys' testimonies, make your skin crawl. One of the guys I met with, Jesus literally appeared to him in a vision. Jesus literally came to this man in a vision. The second believer, just like it, Jesus literally came to them in a vision, and they came to faith in Christ because of that. And I can remember, and just to, just to set up a picture of you guys real quick, one of the guys asked me, he says, AJ, will you pray that one day we'll be able to worship as freely as you guys do in the States? And I was like, man, I said, that sounds awesome and all. I said, but I can't pray that for you. He says, why? I said, dude, you experienced God on an intimate level more than more people will ever experience in the States. I said, you have truly counted the cost, my friend. I said, you know that your family was going to leave you. You know that you'll probably be put in prison because of it, maybe even killed, but yet you still answered the call and said yes to Jesus. And now you're strategically thinking about other people in your people group that you want to go and reach. How awesome is that? But the day I got to North Africa to see our missionaries, one of the missionaries, his son, he's got three kids, and his kids, uh, one of his kids was drawing a picture. I went with the missions director from Mission, uh, uh, Connection Church, Vidalia, and his name is Bo. But his kid couldn't think of my name, so he wanted to draw this picture to, to kind of to, to welcome us into his home, right? So he had this letter, and it says, Bo and Arrow. So he didn't know my name, so he called me Arrow, right? And I was like, man, that's crazy. That's awesome, you know? And I'm just, we're laughing about it and thought that was awesome, you know? And if I had the picture, I'd put it on the screen, but I didn't take a picture of it. But here's the deal. We met with another believer. And we asked him, what can we do in the West to support them? And he says that you're already doing it. He says they can literally feel our prayers when we pray for them. He said the fact that you sent people from your own body, your own people here that to love on us and care for us, he said it makes all the difference in the world. And last thing he said to us, and we're going to pray right after this, but... This is the last thing. I asked him, I said, what more can we do? There's got to be something more. As freely as we have it here, what else can we do to support you guys? And he says, well, you know, in the battles long ago, he says, you will see these soldiers run into the fight. There'll be waves of people running into the fight. He said, there's this last thing. There's another line behind them. He said, the people on the front are, where the fighting's the fiercest, they're fighting, they're killing each other, they're doing all these things. He said, but there's always a second wave that stands back near the rear, near the fort. And what he said is that they're standing back there, and he said they're, they're firing there. there. And he's, he's, he couldn't say it because he couldn't speak English very well. He's trying to get it out, and he says they have their bow, and they have their bow, and I said an arrow. And we all just looked at each other like, man, this is crazy here. Your boy's prophetic, cuz. You know, he had just told us about bow and arrow, and now we're here talking about this to Lee. This guy telling us about the bow and arrow, saying that when we send prayers, it's like that second wave sending arrows to the front line to help them. So one thing we do every morning for our staff, that we pray over our support that's overseas, trying to t of telling God to give them inheritance in the nations. And we're going to continue to pray, and we're going to continue to shoot those arrows to support them. But I got another picture I want to show you guys today. It's going to be on the screen. There's so many more pictures I want to show you guys, but when I see this picture, it brings tears to my eyes every single time. So what you're looking at is a graveyard in Northern Africa. If you can see this picture, everything you see down here in white, and even at the top of the screen, what looks like just white gravel, those are thousands upon thousands of graves. If you look to, if, you, if I could zoom out and you could see the picture, there are graves behind me in this picture, there are graves to the right and they're to the left. All around me, even throughout this little valley of trees are grave on top of grave on top of grave. And as you will look at these graves, a lot of them, they have 
three to four names on each one of them. Every eight years in this city, you can bury another person on top of the person that's already there. So you can just imagine the magnitude of what I'm seeing now because you take that picture and multiply it times three or four and imagine the number of people that are laying in this graveyard. Then when you look at those gravestones, their names are, are written in Arabic and it's got like a green writing and they have uh, gold glitter in the writing. And what that means is that person died a Muslim. And as I'm standing there, you could, it just felt so dark. And as we began to pray, you could just feel the heaviness of what was going on. That, that is not just a, that's not just a cemetery, but that's a monument to people that have been born and died and did not hear about the name of Jesus Christ and are going to hell because of it. That's what that represents. And the question it raised in my heart is, am I okay with that? Am I okay that God created me for a purpose and he gave us a command and that people are literally born and being born and dying and not hearing about Jesus? There's got to be something we can do, church, and it is. We start making disciples here and God will tell us when to go. And it might not be you, but God wants to use you to get involved for his kingdom purposes. Can we surrender our own will so when we go to places like that, that it's not, it doesn't carry that much weight? Church, will we pray? Will we give? Will we sin? And when God calls us, if he tells us to go, will we go? Another thing I had to talk to, our missionary told me, he says, AJ, he says, when I came on this, when I, when I answered the call to go, he says, I worked, the first thing I thought about was my kids. I got to protect my kids. My kids are not going to grow up in the same life. I grew up playing rec ball and doing all these things and having their friends and this and that. My kids are going to grow up in, a, in an environment that I never thought that I wanted for them. And he said he began to cry and he began to pray for God to give him comfort in that. And he said that God gave him a dream. He said in that dream, his kid was on top of this hill and he was reaching out into a hole. He said and as, as he saw in that dream that his son was pulling out women that had hijabs on. And he said, God spoke to him in that moment. It says, your plan for this kid has nothing to do with the plans I have for him. You continue being obedient. I'm going to protect my kid because I have a greater purpose for him. That God wants to use our kids as well. Will we go, church? And maybe you're here today and you want to know why we sin. Why do we still sin? Why do we want to sin? Because I want you to understand our God is a sender himself. And he sent Jesus to die for us. So maybe you're here today and you, don't, and you don't know if you have a relationship with Jesus. Well, it's awesome because as God gives you more grace, the fact that you're sitting in these seats are, uh, is evidence of that. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of, of yourselves. It is a gift of God. How beautiful is this message? It's a free gift of salvation that anyone can receive today. If you've never received this good news, I want to invite you to do that. But, but first, if you want to know why Jesus is good news, you got to understand the bad. And the bad is that you're born into sin. And it's the sin that separated you from a holy God. But God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ by sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. It's a free gift so no man could boast. So if you want that to be true in your life today, would you please bow your heads? And I begin to pray this prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you want that message to be true in your life, would you please pray with me? Repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. You were fully God yet fully man. Would you come into my heart and life? I repent of my sins and I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. 
In your name, amen. I'm going to ask a question today, just to be bold. If you prayed that prayer, would you lift your hand? Amen. And for those that have been bold and made a decision for Jesus today, I want to direct you right here to this table to the right. Satilia will be standing down there. She would love to talk to you about the decision that you made today for the rest of us. Let us come to embrace the will that God has on our lives. Let us stop living life for our own self, but yet start living life in suit of God's will, God's mission, because that's what he desires for every single one of us. And I tell people, if you're not living your life that way, it's just like slapping the God of the universe in the face saying, I know what's best, and I'm going to do life my own way. But that's, all, that's always going to lead to a cul-de-sac, and that's it. You want to find true life. You live your life on purpose for God's purpose, for his kingdom purposes. Let us pray, church. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day, God. God, thank you for this time to even sit and talk about what is it you desire for us, Father God, the mission that you desire for every believer in this room, Father God, and the ones that just said yes to you. God, you have a, you have a specific plan for each one of our lives, God, and you created us with a specific purpose, God. There are people around us that strategically need to hear your words. So God, would you empower our people, God, to go? to live our lives with your, with, with your kingdom in mind, with your end in mind, God, that, that, we just, that you want to see every nation, tribe, and tongue at your feet. God, we thank you for the salvation that took place today, God, to see people's hearts. God, to see that message preached, to see their hearts pierced, God, and to see it come alive in them, Father God. God, I pray over them right now, God, and we just say thank you and give you all the honor and glory for that. And God, if we continue to play and we continue to worship today, Father God, would you continue to minister to every single one of our hearts, Father God? I ask all these things in your precious holy name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.